your host, Coach Danielle McCartan. You can follow her work on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's 60 Minute Overtime, Fall 2016, Episode 10. Today is December 11th, 2016. I'm your host, Danielle McCartan. Lots to get to today. We have guests. Today's guests, we have three guests on today. First, Frank Catalanato, former MLB star, current coach of Team Italy for the 2017 World Baseball Classic. And we watch it beyond Periscope at Coach McCartan or Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. You can see that I'm wearing my Italia Baseball T-shirt. Okay, also from Team Italy, Drew Butera. He's the 2015 World Series champion catcher with the Kansas City Royals. Nice World Series ring he has that I saw. And he, he's going to be catching for Team Italy in the 2017 World Baseball Classic. At 11.20, we have fantasy football segment from Greg Larner from CBS Sports. You've seen him on here before. So get your questions in now. You can uh, tweet them to me at CoachMCCARTAN or, or him at glarn 34 or you can go on Facebook and uh, send them there, uh, facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Uh, we're live on Periscope right now and live on Facebook Live, obviously. My website, prosportsrundown.com, Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I'm going to be putting a lot of content up on YouTube this week, so take a look at that. Subscribe so you don't miss anything. It's a, you Just go to youtube.com You type in Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N at the top. Everything will come up. SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan iTunes podcast, you know, if you're looking on the iTunes store, you just type in Coach Space, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. All my stuff will come up. Subscribe. It goes right to your phone. Easy. One time. And uh, tune in radio. Type in 60-minute overtime with spaces. And uh, I'm on there, too. So, like I said, being video simulcast right now on Periscope and Facebook Live. So, before we get started with anything, if you guys remember, I had uh, Todd O'Neill on here not long ago. Uh, he was the country music star. He won the Nash Next competition. Uh, he talked on my radio show about singing the national anthem for the Saints game. And uh, I found the video from it. This is from his Twitter page, at Todd O'Neill Music. This is uh, in full, Todd O'Neill singing the national anthem for the Saints game. This is a great way to start the show off today. Everybody rise. What's so proud of being here at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight? Oh, the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaked. And the rockets red black, the bombs bursting in air, they through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, Satan's that star-spangled
So that was Todd O'Neill. He did a great job. He said he was going to be so nervous when he was going to go on, and uh, he nailed it. So, you know, check him out, Todd O'Neill Music. And uh, he did a great job. Okay, so uh, lots of topics today to get to. I'm going to get the call-in number ready. Now, listen, I have two what-the-f news stories of the day. Number one is going to be guns allowed in, in stadiums, question mark, exclamation point. Next is um, a suggestion from Uncle Leo, who's watching now on Facebook Live. What is wrong with professional athletes today, and where is their competitive edge? Uh, from BackSportsPage.com, the questions of the day. Thursdays was, how has social media changed sports? Friday, what is a proper reason to move a franchise? Or in, is there one? Saturday, this question on BackSportsPage.com was, are you okay with having teams have business logos on their jerseys? So that's going to be our opening here. The phone number to call in, here it is. Got something to say? Call the studio, 201-825-1234. So believe it or not, this is a Sports Illustrated article. This is real news. I know we've got our slew of fake news, and I actually questioned this story as well. Uh, from for- SportsIllustrated.com, I'm just going to read it. <clears throat> Conservative legislators in Wisconsin, Washington State are proposing a bill that would allow fans to bring guns into sports stadium, including Safeco Field, which is where the Mariners play, and CenturyLink Field, where the Seahawks play in Seattle. Both stadiums have strict no-gun policies and are privately operated, but the legislature moves to prevent private operators of public spaces, stadium authorities, and public facilities from keeping out concealed pistols from their respective spaces, provided that the weapons owners have a proper license to carry. Republican representatives Matt Shea, David Taylor, and Bob McCaslin, all located in Olympia, Washington, are pushing the bill. Washington remains traditionally a blue, which means Democratic state. So the odds of this legislature passing appear to be slim. So what the F news of the day, guns in stadiums? Who thinks that's a good idea? Besides these three idiots, you thought rivalry games were bad. Imagine what it would be like now if you're allowed to have guns inside the stadium where liquor is free-flowing from 9 a.m. when the parking lot's open until the third quarter of the game, whenever that game, whatever time that game is, is played. So, and sitting in your seat, instead of the routine fistfight that you're going to see, you know, between Red Sox and Yankee fans or, or tonight Dallas Giants fans, Cowboys-Giants fans, there's going to be the routine shootout. There's going to be, you're going to have to hide under your chair to, to, to miss bullets flying by your head in a stadium. People will die. This gives new meaning to the term diehard fan, doesn't it? Oh, so your players aren't playing well? Or you just don't like them? Just shoot them. You've seen the story. Giants player Nikita Whitlock's home was broken into this week. Racist things were written, spray painted on his walls, including, quote, go back to Africa. I would think this guy has a target on his back for no reason. You talk about Colin Kaepernick. Oh, that guy's dead. He'll be dead. Don't like the call that that referee just made? Challenge that he didn't change to your liking? Just shoot him. So I'm trying to follow a logic here. Why would somebody want to have guns in a stadium to begin with? Okay, I tried to think about that. 
I guess the number one thing would be uh, protection. I guess so. Okay, I examined that. I think I thought about that this morning. Think about uh, what was it a year and a half ago now? Almost two years now. The terrorist attack on France at the stadium in France, a soccer game. We all saw, the whole entire world saw, that the stadium security stopped the terrorists from entering that stadium in France. There are so many levels of security at each and every one of our stadiums, including on the ground and in the air, that there is absolutely no reason why any fan should be allowed to bring a weapon, a pistol, a gun into a stadium. I still can't fathom a reason why. Where coaches, players, especially referees and fans are all sitting ducks. If any team allows any guns into any of this, their stadiums, I will never return to that stadium. I'll never go to that stadium. Where do these guys, what's their names? Shea, Taylor, and McCaslin. What are they thinking? What are they thinking? You want guns in your stadium? <laughs> State troopers, it, it, we are protected. We are protected when we go to these games. And how dare they? If this is the reason why, how dare they say or imply that we are not and that we need to defend ourselves? Like I said, with the liquor flowing, people are not going to be making good decisions. Okay? You get a little annoyed, take your gun out. What? What? So another what the F story of the day, suggestion from Uncle Leo, what is wrong with professional athletes today? What is wrong with them? Where is the competitive edge? I thought about this is five different examples. Are you ready? Number one in the NFL. And we talked about this. In NFL, the Jets defense gave up in the first quarter with the Colts. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you say. The Jets defense gave up. Sheldon Richardson gets knocked down. You know, as he's rushing Andrew Luck, he gets knocked down. Instead of, like, you know, getting up and going back after him because the ball was still in his hands. He just stood up. He just stood there. <laughs> Todd Bowles, the coach of the Jets, said uh, press in his post-game presser, actually, I, I thought the effort was a lot better, but I thought we made some bonehead mistakes that cost us. We got effort. We just didn't play with much intelligence last night. Are you kidding me? There, they were, there were Colts receivers standing completely and utterly wide open in the end zone. And you're you're not questioning the, the, the effort of these guys, the competitiveness of these, these guys that can pay lots of money to play a game? Second example, NBA. Now, okay, NBA. Here, here's, here's another example. You guys might have seen it this week. This is And this is all this week. These are all examples from this calendar week, everybody. NBA. Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron James and Kyrie Irving are playing the water bottle flip challenge. You guys know what that is? I know because when I teach in high school, this is all the kids are doing. They're throwing water bottles like this. I'll show you on 
okay? But they get it about half full, these water bottles, and what they do is they flip it end over end, and they try to make it land upright. It's a big game that they play. Like, they, like they don't have enough technology at their fingertips that they're, they're playing with water bottles, okay? It's, it's quite annoying to listen to. But anyway, LeBron James and Kyrie Irving are playing this water bottle game on the bench while the whole entire team also sitting on the bench and the crowd around them was watching that, not the game. And there were water bottles flying onto the court during play. During play. While the plays were going on, the water bottles were rolling onto the court. you got to be kidding me. Third example. Odell Beckham Jr., who I happen to like, was caught smiling and clapping on the giant sideline for his bromance friend Antonio Brown in the Steeler game. Antonio Brown just made a touchdown catch. Odell Beckham seemed to have liked it, smiling, clapping on the sideline, applauding the fact that Antonio Brown just scored a touchdown against his team. And the Giants that were fighting for the playoffs and still are fighting for the playoffs, you're going to score for six points against you? This was his uh, quote at the end of the game. I didn't admire the points going onto the board, but I admire him. So it's a tough balance. No, it's not. I would have liked for him to score next week and not this week. But the guy's great. He's one of the best in the league, day in and day out. He came in today and he did his thing. It is what it is. Can't really sit there and worry about what everyone else has to say about something. Or somebody's mad because I smiled when he scored. Doesn't really cross my mind. Like I said... The man's like a brother to me. He's taking me under his wing in the offseason. We go training, we do this. We go training, we do this, meaning the NFL. He's just a good guy, end quote. Come on, man. The guy just scored points against your team, okay? And and, and you're going to uh, sit there and, and clap for him? I, 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 what? And by the way, the Giants lost that game, 24-14. Fourth example, NFL jersey swaps. They're supposed to be a sign of respect, no? Okay. Scrolling through Instagram after the Jet game last week, Monday night football game. Well, actually, you know, Tuesday morning I was looking. Because I can't stay up and watch the end of that game. I have to go to work. We talked about this. T.Y. Hilton, uh, wide receiver for the Colts. I see a picture of him holding Darrell Rivas' jersey, smiley face. And Darrell Rivas holding T.Y. Hilton's jersey, also with a smiley face. T.Y. Hilton burned Darrell Rivas last week to the tune of nine catches, 146 yards, which averages out to 16.2 yards per catch. 34-yard longest play. And they're posing after the game, holding each other's jerseys. What? I have a problem with that. Fifth and final example, J.R. Smith of the Cavaliers. This is this is the best example. J.R. Smith of the Cavaliers. Ready for this one? This guy, who used to be a Knicks player, allowed a wide-open dunk. Literally, wide open. After he high-fived and hugged the other team's players while the game was going on. Yeah, you heard that right. So there's this guy standing in the paint, unguarded, for about 20 feet on each side. And J.R. Smith is physically 
out of bounds, off of the court, high-fiving and hugging the other team. And his explanation is even better. He said after the game, I wasn't even paying attention. I don't even remember that. I didn't even know I was in the game. My bad. What? How do you not know that you are one of the five players on the court playing in that game at that particular time? How are you unaware of that? That just, I mean, the guy made his salary for this year, by the way, I looked it up. J.R. Smith, this guy who doesn't know that he's, he's in the game, he's not paying attention to the game, he doesn't remember that part, my bad. The guy made, in this calendar year, $15.7 million. You can't pay somebody $16 million and, and, and they can't understand their role in a game when they're playing and when they're not playing? Is this guy on drugs or something while he's playing? I, I can't fathom this. I can't understand this. So the Jets defense gives up. LeBron James and Kyrie Irving are playing a water bottle game. Odell Beckham's clapping and smiling for the other guys, scoring against his team. Jersey swaps. Revis is holding uh, T.Y. Hilton's jersey with a smiling face after he just burned him the entire game. And J.R. Smith allows a, a wide-open dunk. He's hugging the other team. What is wrong with these athletes today? What happened to, I don't know, I wasn't around, but Lenny Dykstra, they, everybody calls him Nails. These guys that put everything on the line at all times. What's, where are they? This is so soft. These guys are soft. You gotta be kidding me. You have to be kidding me. Uncle Leo typed in on a Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Athletes today are big babies. Yeah, yep, yep, they are. Yep, they are. So I'm questioning the Jets' effort. I'm questioning the effort of basketball players, specifically the Cavaliers players. Uncle Leo, I might have to make a guest appearance on the show just saying, oh, you mean come here or call in? I'm a little worried about the phone lines today. There are um, no indications on any of these. Um, usually it says, like, uh, labels. It says nothing. So I'm hoping that Greg Larnard could uh, could uh, call in and everything will be okay, hopefully. Guns. So so let's recap the, the what the F news for Sunday. Uh, what's today? The 11th of December. Guns may be allowed into stadiums. Professional athletes are giving up on their teams. And, and being distractions to their teams, we should say. What's going on with that? Uh, coming up, we also have Hot Topics of the Day. Thursdays was How Has Social Media Changed Sports? Uh, my answer to this actually includes a quote from when I interviewed Doc Gooden. So I'll have that for you. Friday, the question was, what is a proper reason to move a franchise? And is there? And Saturdays are, are you okay with teams having business logos on their jerseys? We'll get into that. Uh, hopefully, Greg will be calling in any second if it is working. Greg, if it's not working, just message me because it doesn't look like it's going to. All right, so you got fantasy football questions. Anybody, the owner of a team, how you doing? 
this week. Before we get into that, I'll go in my lock of the week this week. As you know, I'm still in. I'm still in. You may not have known, but I am still in my uh, my pool. And uh, I'm not in the, the first chance pool. We've gone over this, everybody. We've gone over this. The field goal that the Falcons missed, it hit the upright and bounced out. And that is the reason why I am not in my pool anymore. Because of a field goal that bounced off of the uprights. So thank you, Falcons, for that. So last week, I picked against the Falcons. I picked the Chiefs. And I won. See, I was watching on the NFL.com. Uh, what's that called? That thing. I, I was watching on the, the graphics on NFL.com. And what it said was uh, that the Falcons were going for a two-point conversion. And then the next thing that came through when it updated was Eric Berry, two-point two touchdown. I was like, what? What is a two-point touchdown? So based on the replays, it turns out that, T that uh, Eric Berry picked off the two-point conversion and ran it back all the way 100 yards to the other end of the field to win the game for me. For me. Specific specifically for me, Eric Berry caught that and ran it back and scored for me. And that week you had to pick two games, and that was the game that they made you pick. And I didn't want to touch that game. I don't want to touch another Falcons game for the rest of the season. However, that game, I picked the Chiefs and they won. The other game, which I sweated out a little bit until like three minutes uh, left in the game, was the Broncos game. Broncos and Jacksonville Jaguars. That was supposed to be a blowout, and it wasn't. But I did win. So I am still in this week. This week, they're making you pick one. My lock of the week this week is the Detroit Lions at home over the Chicago Bears. I think that's a good pick. Do you think? Of 25,000 people, 85 still remain in the main pool. And in my second, uh, that's at the $5,000 winners. And uh, there are 1,174 left in the second chance pool, including me. And that, that's for $500. By the way, I didn't put any money into this. I mean, it was free to enter. It's just through CBS Sports. And uh, we are in week, what are we in? Week 14, I think, of the NFL season. There's not much time left, so I don't know how they're going to try and get the four, uh, 1,174 people still out. Probably another uh, two-pick week coming up next week, I assume. You have to assume that because half of the people got out last week. Half of the remaining people got out. So Greg should be calling in any second. Uh, and you can follow him at glarn34. He uh, does a great job at CBS Sports over there with... Uh, with his fantasy football. Oh, I think this is going to work. All right, let's see. Is this Greg? Yes. Yeah, oh, up, good. This worked. All right, because I can't see the labels of, of anybody calling in, but it, it did work. All right, great. All right, guys, so this is uh, Greg Larner from CBS Sports. I was just shouting out his Twitter. He's got your fantasy football um, rundown for, for this week. So what do you got? All right, so first off, Let's go over the inactives and some of the players. There's a bunch of questionables this week, so it might be a little difficult to be too specific okay. right now this morning. But we do have some players that are ruled out. They're mostly defensive players, and you might be asking me, Greg, why, why are we talking defensive players? You know, rarely do you see somebody deploying uh, a defensive player, a DP in their leagues. But here's why I wanted to mention the defensive players, because two of them that have been ruled out, Luke Keekley and Charles Johnson for the Panthers, mm -hmm. This means good things for Melvin Gordon owners because that severely 
stamping for run defense for the Panthers, and that should allow for Melvin Gordon and the Chargers to be able to run the ball a little bit. So if you have Melvin Gordon, I'm sure you're going to deploy him anyway, but feel extra confident about deploying him now that these two guys are, have been ruled out. Harrison Smith, the safety for the Vikings, a very talented safety for the Vikings. He'll be out versus the Jaguars today, so maybe that'll help Blake Bortles out a little bit. But at this point, we know Blake Bortles needs all the help that he can get mm-hmm. because he's going to have no Allen Hearns and no Julius Thomas in this one. So guys like Marquise Lee, Allen Robinson are going to have to step up. And you look to the tight ends, and I, I looked this up because I honestly wasn't sure who their backup tight ends were. And, and, and stop me if you've heard these names. Ben Koyak and no. Sterling Neal. Nope. Right? Nope. Uh, so you're, you're kind of depending upon those guys, or at least Blake Bortles is, because I, I'm sure you're not picking these guys up uh, on your fantasy football team, especially since they're going to be going against the Vikings. Anyways, another defensive player, we've got Brandon Marshall, linebacker for the Denver Broncos. This is all good things for DeMarco Murray. That run defense isn't great. That's the, we know that's the way you beat the Broncos. So we're not sure about that, but we are sure that DeMarco Murray will be running wild in this one. And then finally, defensive end, we all know him here in the New York area, Jason Pierre-Paul. He kind of wreaked some havoc in week one, the only blemish on the Cowboys roster so far at 11-1. and one. He's not going to be playing today, uh, so Dak Prescott probably will have a little bit easier of a time for uh, time of it today throwing the football. Uh, let's get into some other players here, though. We also know that Mohamed Sanu is going to be out for the Atlanta Falcons today. Wide receiver Julio Jones questionable right now. Tyler Gay, Taylor Gabriel, excuse me, was a guy we had talked about in the past, and he could be bumped up to the number one or even or number two or even number one wide receiver today, depending upon Julio Jones' uh, his status. So I'm looking at Taylor Gabriel. If you have him or if he's possibly out there and you're, you're not really sure what to do and you're, you're wondering, should I start Taylor Gabriel? If there's an opportunity, not as your number one wide receiver, but if there's a flex opportunity, I'd say go ahead and play Taylor Gabriel in this one. A couple other guys that we're looking at right now, a couple of Bills wide receivers are questionable, Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods, but that's nothing, quite, that, that, that's nothing different. Sammy Watkins is, is usually up in the air whenever he's going to play. Uh, Marquise Wilson for the Bears, he's up in the air. Tight end Eric Ebron up in the air. Marvin Jones also. Holy, we got a whole bunch of Bear Lions here. Eric Ebron, Marvin Jones, Theo Riddick, all questionable at this point. So we'll see a couple defensive players for the Texans, Davion Clowney, Brian Cushing. Uh, Chris Ivory, also questionable. He didn't play last week, and it was kind of a mix of Denar Robinson and, and TJ Yeldon. And uh, So we'll see if that combination will be uh, deployed in full force today. If Ivory is able to get back, then he, they won't be. Uh, also, we're looking at Jordan Reed, the tight end for the Redskins. I hear he should be coming back today. So if you're a Jordan Reed owner, feel free to deploy him. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a big game today. And then we look to the wide receivers of the Eagles, and we know they were both out last weekend in Doriel Green-Beckham and Jordan Matthews. They're both questionable trying to get back. Green-Beckham has an abdomen injury, and Jordan Matthews an ankle injury. Also, Ryan Matthews dealing with a knee injury. So there's a lot of question marks surrounding the Eagles as of right now. Okay, great. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to take my headphones off and put them on so people can, that are listening live on, you know, in the video feed can hear. Um, no questions are coming through. So uh, what is the impact of... of I know Jason Pierre-Paul's uh, stats aren't really there, but to have him not there in the lineup, uh, what do you think? 
Yeah, no, it's going to be tough. It, it, without JPP, we saw what he was able to do, like I mentioned, against Dak Prescott and the Cowboys in the last matchup. And, you know, like you said, his stats are and sacking the quarterback a ton like we're used to Jason Pierre-Paul doing, but just the threat of having him there and, and the playmaking ability and his ability to, ability to at least rush the passer and kind of hurry him a little bit, that creates misthrows, as we like to say. Obviously, if you're not getting the sacks, yeah, the stats aren't going to be there. But if you get those hurries and you make those quarterbacks inaccurate or have to rush a throw, that's a huge impact, and that's exactly what Jason Pierre-Paul uh, had done and had been doing. So, you know, you look to the defense now, and other guys are going to have to step up. That's just what it is. There's Olivier Vernon and Jonathan Hankins. They're going to have to kind of step up and, and be those guys to, to carry the load in uh, Jason Pierre-Paul's absence. Yeah, even guys like uh, Devon Kennard or Devin Kennard to shoot the gap and, you know, give the offense a little some different looks for the Cowboys. Exactly. Maybe Damon Harrison snacks coming in and rushing the passer a little bit from the middle. I mean, it, Steve Spagnuolo is going to have to be creative in this one if he wants to kind of get Dak off his game. But you also have to to remember you've got that beast of, beast of a running back back there as well as Ezekiel Elliott. You, yep. you really have to kind of account for him as well. Yeah. All right, so who, who do you have the best quarterback this week? All right, our best quarterback. Before we started talking a little bit about the Giants, and it's Kirk Cousins is my guy. And I know I, huh. I'm i surprised you didn't call me out on this already. No, but yeah, I, I mean, the Redskins are playing whiffed. the Eagles, and the Eagles aren't that bad. No, no, no. I'm talking about last week. I completely whipped with the Colin Kaepernick pick. It oh, oh yeah, he week. had that four was, total yards. We'll get into oh, that. <laughs> brutal. I don't want to get – we don't have to get into that. But. <laughs> four total yards. Come on. Uh, I know that was bad. But I didn't. I didn't. I didn't factor in the weather there, and it was just. It was not good. Oh, uh, awful. But he's starting yeah. again this week, so that's good news he's for the Jets. He's starting again. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. You know, who cares that that that, that game? You probably, if you're a Jeff fan, you want to lose this game. Yep. As of right now, just let Bryce Petty do his thing. Yep. Just, you know, him and Robbie and Robbie Anderson going to try to go out there and make some plays. But yeah, we'll see what happens. But I, yeah, I got Kirk Cousins. I know the Eagles aren't terrible, but. Danielle, they're ranked 29th in defense right now since week eight. No team has allowed more quarterback fantasy points than the Eagles. And they've also allowed 260-plus pass yards in eight straight games in 11 out of their 12 games this season. Wow. Kirk Cousins, 10 less fantasy points than Tom Brady since week five when he was reinstated. So a lot of people want to sit here and say, ah, Kirk Cousins, you know, sometimes he's up. He's a very streaky quarterback. He's actually been pretty consistent fantasy football-wise on the scale of, you know, if we're grading him along the same scale as Tom Brady. He's only had 10 less fantasy points than Tom Brady since his season got going in Week 5. And, yes, we had mentioned his weapon, his tight end, Jordan Reed, who we know he loves to throw to, will be back in the mix today, most likely, for him. So he'll have another weapon at his disposal. Wow. Okay. All right. So you got Kirk Cousins. All right. Now let's talk running backs. Do you think Ezekiel Elliott's your guy? Uh, well, I, I love Zeke Elliott. I, I think he's a great running back. But, you know, I, I don't like to go with the obvious choice all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with a guy who's kind of trying, starting to make a name for himself and starting to make some waves uh, about his game. And there was a lot of questions. Hey, is, is this guy going to be for real? Is it going to go back to the guy who, who was running the football, who came into the season, running the football at the starting running back position for the Bears? I'm picking Jordan, Jordan Howard this week, running back of the Chicago Bears. Because you look at Matt Barkley, at quarterback, we know what he is. He's not a great quarterback. He's kind of just a game manager. Hey, try not to mess it up. Hand the football off. And we saw that happen, and, and that strategy deployed last weekend. 
where Jordan Howard got himself in the end zone three times, and he's got 53 total touches in the last two games. So we know Jordan Coward is going to get himself the football, and, and he's going to have an opportunity to do the most with it because the Bears, frankly, don't trust Matt Barkley, but they do trust in Jordan Howard, and I'm expecting you to do the same, to put your trust in Jordan Howard this week, to start him if you're there's a question, or to put your faith in him daily fantasy football-wise as well. And, you know, you might be thinking, oh, well, Greg, they're going up against the Lions defense, mm-hmm. you know, that's that third against the rush. Well, I'm saying don't fret because over the last four weeks, look at the opponents that they've played. The Jacksonville Jaguars, the Minnesota Vikings without Adrian Peterson, the Saints, and they had a bye. The Saints are the only one who have somewhat of a legitimate running game with Mark Ingram and even them and Tim Hightower, even those two, they're under the average uh, running back fantasy points for this season. And the Lions still allowing... 16 fantasy points per game to opposing running backs in four out of the last six weeks. See, my, uh, my, the Lions were my lock of the week this week, so you're worrying me just a little bit. Well, you know, Jordan Howard should go off, but you should be able to contain Matt Barkley. And I mean, I'm, I mean as a Packer fan sitting here, I'm, I'm biasly hoping that the Lions find some way <laughs> like they always do to screw it up. Yeah. So I, I apologize, but I am going to be rooting for the Bears today. All right. All right, so wide receiver. Now over to wide receiver, and this is a guy, and, and this might be a tough game for him to have a good game in, but I think he's going to get looks today, and it's going to be in a snowy Lambeau field, and it's going to be Doug Baldwin. Hmm. He's had six-plus catches, and I know I messed up the weather last week with, with Colin Kaepernick, but I'm putting my face back in Doug Baldwin. They said there should be a pocket where it's the, the snow should clear up, right around game time, so who knows how long that'll last. And it's not going to be freezing. It's not going to be a frozen tundra at Lambeau Field. It's, it's going to be about 30 degrees, feeling like 25. The snow might be coming down. There might be snow on the field. But I think Doug Baldwin and Russell Wilson, they've torched the Green Bay Packers in the past, and, and, and Doug Baldwin, six-plus catches in four of his last five games, 832 yards on the season. The next two wide receivers for Seattle – they have a combined 810 yards combined. So we know Doug Baldwin is that that go-to wide receiver for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. And five out, he scored five out of the six wide receiver touchdowns in this offense this season. And like I said, they're at Green Bay, and only the 49ers have allowed more wide receiver touchdowns this season. Good for you Jet fans as well. Hopefully Robbie <laughs> Anderson owners and Brandon Marshall owners. Um, and over the past five weeks, only Philadelphia is allowing more fantasy points to wide receivers. We know the Green Bay Packers secondary has been a little banged up, but they're starting to get a little bit healthy. They've got Demarius Randall back there, their number one draft pick from a year ago. They've got Quentin Rollins in there. These guys are growing together. They have their two safeties, which I think is, is a little kind of downplayed a little bit because Morgan Burnett, HaHa Clinton Dix, very good, very adept at the safety position. They're not ball hawks, but they can help in the run, and they're also not too bad in the pass. Uh, the problem is they're just not turning a lot of people over. HaHa Clinton Dix has got a couple wide, or excuse me, a couple interceptions so far this season. But you look at the guys on the outside, that's where the problem is. They, they kind of put their faith in, hey, we're going to draft these good guys. Uh, these young guys, they're going to come in, they're going to be impact players right away. And it really hasn't worked out for Ted Thompson. They let a guy like Casey Hayward go, who was phenomenal in the slot, and he was a ball-hawking defensive back. And he will move on to the San Diego Chargers. Now he's, I believe he's leading their team in interceptions right now. And, uh, you know, Tremont Williams, I was thinking about him yesterday. 
you know, it's probably better to let him go. He's, he's a little bit older, but they're really missing their number one cornerback in Sam Shields. That was kind of the cog that made this defensive back unit go. Clay Matthews should be there as well. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with that. But I'm taking Doug Baldwin in the snow in Lambeau Field today. <laughs> and hopefully the snow will be coming our way. Speaking of frozen tundra, the MetLife Stadium tonight is going to be a frozen tundra. I wouldn't want to touch oh that stadium, God. you know, at all tonight. Oh, it's going to be so so freaking cold and and but you know it's going to make it fun for a fun game to watch uh, i think it might be a little bit of a sloppy game but i think it's going to be a fun game and, and i'm really looking forward to seeing the giants if they can kind of elevate their game and take out the cowboys once again on this season yeah you know before we get into the tight ends i wanted to say that i know you remember it well as a packers fan but i like eli manning in the cold you know the, the what was that the game called the frozen tundra game how he in the playoffs beat the Packers yep. at Lambeau. I remember 2007. Tom Tom Coughlin looked like he was he was as red as a reindeer. Yeah. You know, Rudolph's, Rudolph's nose. <laughs> it looks like frostbite. Um, that game, yeah, literally looked like he had frostbite. I, I'm sure he was smearing petroleum jelly all over his face to try to stay warm and and not to kind of. Uh, be too dried up because it was freaking cold that night. And uh, and you got to think, Dak, Dak Prescott in the cushy, climate-controlled Dallas Stadium down there, I think he's going to have a hard time today. Rookie. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's going to be a tough atmosphere for him to play, but I'm sure Tony Romo's kind of doing all he can to coach him up, and we've seen Tony Romo be very, very good and very, very veteran-like in this whole situation and being very professional trying to help Dak Prescott out as much as he possibly can. And uh, I think he's going to try to, to coach him through this as much as, much as possible uh, today because it's going to be a tough atmosphere to play. And like you said, it's not only you know an away stadium, but it's also going to be a sloppy, cold game tonight at MetLife. Now, you know what I was going to ask you too? I heard there was a Daily News article that came out, interview that, uh, Jerry Jones, who's the owner of the Cowboys, wants to keep. He's going to try everything he can do to keep Tony Romo on the roster for next year. Hmm. Yeah, I heard, I heard that this morning. I mean, like you were saying, he, he's a good coach. He's a good mentor for Dak Prescott. I mean, it's a good move if he'll stay. But if I'm Tony Romo, I want to play. Yeah, I, I've learned listening to Jerry Jones enough, especially with that CBS Sports Radio Roundup show that I I was doing that. You can never really trust everything that you hear out of Jerry Jones. He's he's a blubbermouth, if you will. He he kind of just spews a lot, and and you kind of have to pick out and pick and choose what what you really believe. Yeah, we know he loves Tony Romo. He really does. But at the same time, it doesn't make sense for the Cowboys to keep him. You can keep a Mark Sanchez as the backup. Dak Prescott is young. There's not a, a whole lot of worry about him getting hurt because he doesn't have a history of injury. You let Tony Romo go. You let him play for somebody like the Bears or the Jets or whomever's looking Broncos. for a quarterback. Yep. The Broncos, somebody like that. Maybe you know, probably not the Vikings because they just traded for Sam Bradford. Yeah. And you'll have Teddy Bridgewater making his way back. But yep. you know, teams like that that could look for a quarterback, I think it would, it would kind of be hard for me to see uh, Tony Romo wanting to stay with Dallas, although I'm sure he does love Jerry Jones and the Cowboys for everything that he's done for them. Yeah, I'm sure he does. All right, so your final uh, – we are up to uh, tight end, pick of the week. Yes, tight end. Witten. Let me guess. Is it Witten? It is not Jason Witten. Uh, okay. It's in the same division, though. You're, you're close. <laughs> I'm going to go with Zach Ertz in this one, the Philadelphia Eagles tight end, because there's literally no – wide receivers for for Carson Wentz to throw to. We saw last week especially no Dorio Green Beckham, no Jordan Matthews. 
and, and, and the wide receivers have been unreliable, frankly unreliable this entire season. So I'm looking for Zach Ertz to be that reliable tight end safety valve target for Carson Wentz. He's had 32 targets and two touchdowns in his last three games. He's going up against the Washington defense, which has allowed 75 yards and a touchdown to wide receivers and three out of their last five games. And the Washington Redskins are, thir- are giving up the 13th most fantasy points to tight ends on this season. So I'm saying roll out with Zach Ertz. I think you'll be okay with him at tight end today. All right. So uh, did we miss anything? No, right? No, we got everything. That, 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 that was it. All right. Great job. All right. Cool. Uh, okay. So shout out where people can find you, your work, everything. All right. Well, uh, I don't know if you had heard this. It was, we haven't really talked about it, but uh, they, they canceled my CBS Sports Radio Roundup show, so uh, I will no longer be on that. So you can't find me at, uh, that, there anymore, but you can also find me on, on Twitter at glarn34. That's G-L-A-R-N-3-4. You can also find me on Facebook. Just type in that little nifty search box at the top, the word with G, and you can always find all my work that I, uh, that I do. And, and hopefully I'll find some, uh, some, some more full-time work sooner rather than later. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, you're, you're pretty much on point with all of the th- these things that you're saying anyway, so I, I don't doubt that you'll find something quite soon. I sure hope so. Danielle, thank you so much for the time and, and the opportunity to talk fantasy with you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll hear from you for next week. Definitely. We'll talk then. All right, thanks. Bye. All right, so long. Okay, so hot topic of the day. Moving on now. How has social media changed sports? Uh, by the way, I tweeted all that. He's going to get a ton of notifications now, about six notifications on, on Twitter. Uh, but you heard him. You heard of the great picks. He actually does a good job with this, uh, and that's why I love having him back on every week. So um, heed his advice because he's normally pretty good, except for that Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> um, so hot topic of the day. This is featured on BackSportsPage.com. Uh, Randy Zellier does a great job with this. This is one of my favorite things. How has social media changed sports? Uh, and, and he poses the question to all of his writers, and we have to you know, respond in, in the best way that we know how. So my response to how has social media changed sports, I think it's positively revolutionized sports by holding athletes more accountable for their actions. I'm thinking from an athlete's standpoint, uh, I immediately thought of when I read this question when I interviewed Doc Gooden. And I actually asked Doc Gooden, you know, all the struggles that he's had. I actually asked him this exact question. And uh, I'll play for you his, uh, his response right now. It's a little difficult to hear, but listen hard. Way I'm glad that I have social media in the 80s. I think I'll make better decisions. Most importantly, I'm myself and a lot of times I didn't. So he says, in a way, I'm glad there wasn't any social media in the 1980s. I think... Uh, what did he say? Uh, he would have been better. He would have made different decisions. Uh, on the other hand, I th- I think it would have been different. I think I would have made better decisions. And uh, you know, that's what I think. I think uh, social media is, is a social is a reminder for these guys that what they do can always come back and and haunt them. So, in my opinion, social media or even just the presence of social media has cleaned up sports from an athlete standpoint. Um, just the thought that anything that he or she does, damning, may find its way to the internet, holds athletes more accountable. And the, the repercussions for athletes' immature and illegal activities are swift and severe. Just ask Johnny Manziel. 
whose career unraveling began with a couple social media posts. That's it. Additionally, I thought of the hack of Laramie Tunsil's Twitter account during the 2016 NFL draft. It slipped. It caused him to slip from the, from the first overall pick projected to being 13th. And the Dolphins took a chance on him. He, he wasn't even supposed to go that high after that. So, like Doc Gooden said, it forces athletes to make better decisions. And for that, it holds athletes more accountable, and it's a more clean of a game. Now, social media also allows athletes to be more accessible, interacting with fans and spreading awareness of worthwhile causes as we've seen. We've seen that, and, and, and that's another great aspect of it. Can you imagine, you know, you tweet to Eli Manning, and he answers you? I mean, what? But as, you, as everybody knows, there are a lot of guys that have social media managers as well that take care of all of that for him or her on their behalf. Brandon Marshall from the Jets, he's one of them. He told me. He told me he has a social media manager that, that regulates all of that for, for him. Friday's question on Back Sports page was, what is a proper reason to move a franchise? Uh, well, a proper reason to move a franchise is when the city in which it plays can no longer afford to host the team. Okay, so I disagree with the Rams' decision to leave St. Louis, of course, because they said that they couldn't fill the stands. Uh, but I do wholeheartedly, fully support the Raiders' move to Las Vegas because, you know, the Rams cited poor attendance as one of their main reasons for relocation. But if the Rams' organization had a good product on the field, I mean, if the team was good, the stadium would be filled, as it's the only football team within hours of its location. And the, the old mantra from that movie, if you build it, they will come. Um, someone said, I always tweet Lionel Messi. I got, I never got an answer. Well, he's got a lot of followers. I think Lionel Messi's got to be one of the, the most followed uh, athletes in, in the world. Um, so, you know, I doubt that a guy like Lionel Messi does run his own Twitter account. Uh, you know, he's just a superstar. You know, if you don't know who he is, you should be ashamed of yourself, but he's a soccer player. And I'm just looking up Leo Messi. He almost has a million followers, so it's really tough. It's really tough to get a response from someone that has a million followers, as you can probably understand, I would think. <laughs> but um, if, if you're going to build the stadium and if you're going to put a good product on the field, the fans will come. That's what the, Ra the Rams should have been more um, adept to before totally moving locations. But the Raiders, uh, the Raiders are a different story. The facility in which they play, and I've said it on my site, prosportsrundown.com, I've well documented this, the facility in which they play in Oakland is completely outdated. Its structural integrity issues are well documented. And the city of Oakland cannot afford to build a new stadium for that team. They just can't afford to keep them. The field has divots. That's going to cause injuries. I wouldn't want to play on that field. So Las Vegas can and has all but started digging in the desert sand to, to welcome the Raiders into into their city. So uh, what when is a proper reason to move a franchise? My response, uh, just to sum it up, is when the city in which they play cannot afford to keep them any longer. That's when I think it's an okay reason to stay. But when you talk about putting butts in the seats and stuff like that, if you had a good team, there would be butts in the seats and people would be spending money at your facility. 
So Saturday's question of the day from BackSportsPage.com is, are you okay with having with teams having business logos on your jersey? Uncle Leo said, owners should not expect taxpayers to pay for a stadium. This is why they own it. True? Yep. Um, are you okay with teams having business logos on their jerseys? As you know, this is uh, something that the NBA, I think, has agreed to do uh, for next season. There's going to be up by the, the shoulder, uh, like a three-inch by two-inch uh, logo that's going to go on on the jerseys. And uh, I think that's where this question emanated from. But I had, I can never say this word, vehemently, vehemently opposed to teams having business logos on their jerseys. For me, there's just no reason why they would they would they would do that. Okay, the only reason I could imagine and I sat there and I actually thought about this, the only reason they could imagine why they would do this is to increase revenues for the teams and their organization. Whatever organization it is, NBA, whatever. These sports associations, NHL, NBA, NFL, MLB, even the UFC, they are multi-million and multi-billion with a B dollar corporations. There's absolutely no reason to include logos on sports jerseys. It's just a way to, um, what's that called? Bleed more out of the stone, out of the people that go and see these teams. I don't want to. I don't want to watch a Nick game and have a, an advertising for. Uh, StubHub on their jerseys. I know what StubHub is. I don't need to see it every single time they show somebody taking a foul shot or during a timeout. It's right in the in the camera lens. Lenny, check it in on Facebook. Monetize everything. Someone at the same time on Periscope, it's all about the money, which is ridiculous. I mean, these guys are multi-billionaires, multi-millionaires, at least, that, that run these corporations. So, and, and you think about the fan. Okay, I stopped buying Jets jerseys a long time ago. Okay, but you can have let, let's think of um, let's think of a Derek Jeter, right? Classic jersey. You can have a Derek Jeter jersey. He was a Yankee from the day he started in the MLB to the day he retired, right? If you have his jersey, but you know after a certain amount of time, after two years, there's you know there's a logo on it for let's just say Gatorade because that's what Derek Jeter does, you know, and it's per team, not per player. That's another stipulation. But let's just say that on all Yankees jerseys, there's a Gatorade logo, right? And Derek Jeter jersey is a great jersey to have, right? It's better than a Mark Sanchez jersey, which I also have. Okay, so we're talking Derek Jeter. Now, two years into the agreement, Gatorade doesn't want to have the Yankees anymore. Uh, Poland Spring comes in. That's the water bottle I have today. Poland Spring comes in, and instead of now uh, a Gatorade patch, it's going to be a Poland Spring patch. Well, as a fan, I would feel completely cheated because now my jersey is technically outdated. Right, because I have Derek Jeter with Gatorade on it, but now he's wearing his own jersey, Derek Jeter, with Paul and Spring on it. As a fan, I would feel completely cheated. I would never buy another. I would never buy a jersey with an advertisement on it, because then you're walking around with free advertising on yourself, on your person, for this company. Uncle Leo on Facebook says it's a way for owners to get more money. Keep it out. Yeah, I agree. Shame on the NBA. Who has already adopted this policy for treating its players as walking billboards and for gouging its fans of their hard-earned money so that they can make a few extra millions of dollars? Shame on them. And, and I did read when I did research this or when it did come out that you can, as a fan, buy jerseys that don't have that on there. But, you know, I'm, I am an authentic jersey lover. I like to buy authentic jerseys. I'm not going to buy 
what they're not wearing. So that doesn't matter to me that there's other options. Hi, this is Charlie Hayes, third baseman for the 1996 World Series champs. And you're listening to 60 Minutes Overtime on WRPR. Gotta love Charlie Hayes. So just transitioning to baseball real quick. Uh, oh, I'm going to talk about the events that I that I have gone to this week. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, I'm not even going to say the name of the organization, but I did not get an interview with Peyton Manning. Those of you that have watched, uh, you know, every week, and I did not get an interview with Peyton Manning, as I've mentioned in the weeks leading up to this, so in the advertising I've done on this. What a joke that event was. Apparently Peyton Manning doesn't like surprises, and the man I had been communicating with never told them that I'd be there for an interview. Forget that. Because you know what? I rushed all the way there basically for nothing. And they said Peyton Manning was going to have a tight schedule and stuff. Actually, he didn't. He was standing there with his hands in his pocket talking to his father. In a room of, I don't know, 16 people in the room. Me and him being two of them. Come on. Come on. So I'll forget that. I won't even say the organization. I won't say the guy's name. Uh, but I did not get an interview with Peyton Manning Wednesday night. However, Thursday night... Uh, was uh, I've been talking about it for a long time. The Italian-American baseball family launched in a fundraiser for the earthquake relief in Amatrice. The event, A+. I mean, this was an event on Thursday night uh, by Mint Pros. Joe Quagliano does an excellent job. Uh, it was held at Carmine's Pizzeria, a restaurant in uh, Brooklyn. The event, pardon my pun, was a home run. It was a grand slam. Okay, We raised that night close to $12,000 for the Amatrice earthquake victims. And uh, special guest there, obviously, Hall of Famer Mike Piazza, uh, Frank Catalanato, who's going to be the coach of Team Italy for the World Baseball Classic, which is getting ready to start in March. Marco Mazzietti from Italy was there. He's the manager of Team Italy. Um, other MLB players that will be playing for Team Italy were there. Boxer Ray Boom Boom Mancini, and a couple of Hollywood actors, the guys from Carlito's Way, Bronx Tale. And uh, that event... Not because I, I, I did get interviews, which I did. I, I interviewed almost every single person there that night. But just the quality of the event and the expectations put forth by Joe and by, and by Carmine, the event was a home run. It was a total home run. So um, while I did interview uh, Frank Catalano, let me think, Drew Butera, Francisco Cervelli, Pat Vendite, Chris Colabello, Ray Boom Boom Mancini, and there was a seventh one. Ah. I can't remember who the seventh one was, but as I finish these, I'm going to have them for you. And I told Joe the same thing. Oh, Joe's listening right now on Facebook Live or watching. Hi, Joe. I don't know if you just heard. Uh, oh, John Franco. Thanks, Lenny. John Franco was the last guy that I interviewed. Uh, he was the last one of the night as well. So um, I have a lot coming to you. As I told Joe, I'm going to finish these up at, you know, as I finish them, I'm going to post them. You check them out YouTube. Go on YouTube.com. In your search bar, type coach space M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Uh, for the video also on iTunes it'll go uh, you know if you subscribe on my iTunes just coach space M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N you'll get the audio interviews downloadable instantly as soon as I put them up they're going to go to your phone okay so um, Thursday Friday was a little busy for me and so was Saturday but I did I was able to to edit two videos which was the Frank Catalanato interview, which was the first one of the night, and Drew Butera, which was the second one of the night. Uh, Chris Colabello, Joe, um, 
I did interview him, yes, uh, but I didn't get to finish them. But So Frank Catalano, I'll play for you now in its entirety, and then we're going to go into Drew Buteras, and then we'll talk a little bit of Jets and Giants, so get your questions ready for that. Jets and Giants predictions of the day, keys to victory on, on all four teams that will be playing in our market today. And uh, first up, you'll hear my interview with uh, coach of Team Italy, used to be a Met, um, Texas Ranger, Toronto Blue Jay, He's a, he's a wealth of knowledge, and he's a great, great guy, Frank Catalanato. I'm Daniel McCartan here at the Italian-American Baseball Family inaugural event. Uh, this is going to be shaping up to be a great night. I'm here with Frank Catalanato, the everyman of the MLB, and uh, he's going to be coaching Team Italy this year, correct? Okay, so the, what, is, uh, what is the importance, first of all, of this organization in spreading awareness for, you know, baseball in Italy. Well, it, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, what, what they're doing here is great because um, over the course, you know, I've been involved with the World Baseball Classic since 2006, and I've seen over the years um, how baseball has grown in Italy, um, and to have events like this... Um, and, and what this organization does, it, it's so instrumental in, in raising uh, not only awareness but also funds to help um, the baseball academy over there in, in Italy. And I, I really, uh, I enjoy watching watching it grow. And, and like I said, since '06, so that's you know over 10 years now. So uh, I've had the, the pleasure of watching it grow, and, and the quality of baseball has gotten much better over there, and we have more kids playing over there in Italy, so I'm excited about it. Now, you have to be excited about coaching for Team Italy, right? This is the first year coaching it, right? Second. Oh, second. Okay. So, what are your expectations this year? Well, you know what? My expectations in 2013 as a coach weren't very high, and we wound up, we were, we, we wound up um, having to play some tough teams, and we played well, we got out of our bracket and moved on. Um, so... I, these guys are determined. Um, they're sponges. You know, I, I remember when me and Mike Piazza would, would speak, all the Italian guys would come over and, and listen and try to learn. Um, so, so I really feel like um, this team can can go pretty far. We, we're, we are in a tough bracket. However, I feel like that. Um, you know, uh, don't don't count this team out because these team this team is filled with a bunch of, uh, of of fighters. Now, as a player and as a coach, how is the approach different to these games? Well, I, I'll say this: as a as a coach, it's a little more relaxing. As a player, I remember you know there's a lot of stress involved. Um, as a coach, it's, it's it's different because it's just about about getting the guys in the right mindset to play. Um, you know, obviously, doing the work during uh, you know the practices and before the game, uh, and trying to, to help them. But during the game, it's a little more relaxing for me, uh, and and I actually enjoy it quite a bit. Now, if we can talk a little bit about your MLB career. You have the single-game hits record for the Blue Jays and for the Rangers. Being so successful at the plate, what was your approach? I always, I always just try to make contact. I, I, I looked for a pitch out over the plate um, and, and tried to drive the ball up the middle or the other way. Um, you know, I knew that if I got out of my uh, my approach and, and started to, to pull the ball, that uh, I would, uh, I would. Um, <laughs> 
you know, pull off the ball to be as successful. So for me, it was always try to stay inside the ball, drive the ball the other way, put the bat on the ball, and, and I knew that I was, I served my team better if I was on base and if I put the ball in play. And, you know, it, it, it seemed, uh, it seemed to work for me, and that, that's the way I, I always like to approach it. And preparation is key. Right, and you are one of the main prepared guys on the team. Yes, I mean, I took pride in preparation. I, I felt like if I had an idea of what the pitcher may throw um, and uh, what his tendency tendencies were, that that I'd have a better chance to be successful. And I was one of the only guys on the team that would check out all the scouting reports and check out the video on the pitcher because I felt that was very important. Of course it is. Now, you play pretty much every position except for shortstop and center field. What was your favorite? My favorite was second base. I mean, second base, you're involved in every single play. I mean, every time the ball's hit, you're moving. Uh, whereas in the outfield, sometimes you can get a little <laughs> a little bored. Uh, so second base was my favorite. Uh, and, you know, uh, it, it was a position where early on in my career I played a lot of it. However, the it was a little bit too much for me because turning that double play in the major at the major league level, you had to get rid of the ball quick. Yeah. Otherwise, that that guy was uh, was on you, and, and uh, it was it was a tough position to play. I have a lot of respect for those guys that play the middle infield positions. Uh, so that's why they kind of pushed me towards the outfield, and I played mostly in left field the rest of my career. Yeah. Now that's got to be so advantageous to coaching, right? I mean, you know the nuances of every position, right? Yes, I think. It, it's definitely, it benefits uh, me when it comes to coaching because I know many different positions and there's a lot to be said for having a guy that has been in those positions and knows what the guys are thinking and, and uh, the different types of uh, situations that will come up. So I think uh, as a coach, it's definitely beneficial to uh, to have played as many positions as I have. Now, aside from the team, what was your favorite city to play in? Ooh, tough one. You know, I love traveling. I'd have to say Chicago. Chicago was, was always fun for me. But also Boston was, was another, another good one. I mean, I thought the fans there in Boston were great. The people were great. But I'm going to give Chicago the nod because uh, I, I loved all the restaurants and the nightlife there. Now, I have here, what was the, which city had the best Italian food? Is it Chicago? Yeah, I'd say Chicago. Yeah. You know, um, we went out a lot there. Uh, even the pizza. Pizza is a lot different than New York, but I actually kind of like oh. that deep dish pizza. I just interviewed Joe Madden. He said he, you know, the manager of the Cubs. He said he did not like the deep dish pizza. Really? Yeah. Really? I actually yeah, I was like surprised it. too. I like it a lot. Um, okay, so then, just as a Long Island kid coming back, finishing your career with the Mets, how important was that for you? It was awesome. You know, it, 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 it was important because I always wanted to be able to uh, play for a New York team sleep in my own bed, commute to work, uh, have my, my family and my friends be able to watch me every night and come to the games. And, uh, it was fun. You know, I was only there for a month and a half uh, during, during the season, but um, it, it, was, it was an experience that I'll never forget, and uh, I'm so happy that I, that I got to do that. Now, Cespedes is back on the Mets. How do you like their chances for 2017? Oh, I think the team lines up great. I think signing him was huge. Yeah. Uh, I also think, you know, if, if, if we can get these pitchers healthy, because that pitching staff is unbelievable when healthy, uh, that this team is going to be good for a long time, and, and, and 
especially here in, in the next year year uh, year to two years. Yeah. Now, you seem like a pretty knowledgeable man. I wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on the All-Star game no longer determining home field for the World Series? I think it's smart. Um, I definitely did not like how they would just go from, you know, flip a coin, you know, one year it's the American League, next year it's National League. I thought that was no good. So when they did the All-Star game, I said, all right, at least there's some kind of meeting, but still I didn't like it. So I, I, I think the way they're doing it now, it, it makes a lot, lot more sense. Okay, now I'm not going to let you go off the hook just yet. You're going to have your choice of um, Italian song karaoke, an Italian baseball lesson, or an Italian things speed round. Okay. All right. Parli Italiano. No. Oh. Where's your family from in Italy? Sicily. Sicily. Have you ever been there? Have not been to Sicily yet, but I will be going soon. Yeah, you got to get there. Me too. I haven't been there. All right. So, first one. Oh, the answer's already up there. First one. La Palla. The ball. Good. I giocatori. Il campo di gioco. The field of dreams? Field of play. Oh, okay. There you go. Almost. So, un fuori campo. Alright, some kind of field. Uh, outfield. Close. Out of the field. Uh, Home run. Okay. <laughs> un lanciatore. Uh, I'm going to take a stab. The umpire? Pitcher. Third base. There you go. There you go. And I think there's one more. Il There you go. Uh, one more. Interbase. Second base. Short stop. In between. There you go. All right. That's it. Okay. He's, yeah, that was great. Uh, Daniel McCartney here with Frank Catalnato, coach of the upcoming 2017 World Baseball Classic Italy team. Thank you. Thank you. Grazie. <laughs> oh, that the wrong buzzer is a little too harsh. <laughs> the wrong buzzer is a little too harsh, but Frank Calinato, stand-up guy, great guy. Really enjoyed talking with him. He knows a lot about a lot all aspects of the game of baseball. So, that was Frank Catalonotto. Franco Catalonotto. Next up, I got for you uh what I did finish is next up Drew Butera, who is uh, the catcher for the Kansas City Royals. Everybody was in awe of his World Series ring, including me. It was really cool, <laughs> really cool to see. Unfortunately, he came against the Mets, but what are you going to do? Uh, but uh, if you go on my YouTube, it's also there, so you can watch it, not just listen to it. I think watching it's always better. Um, Drew didn't choose to do the Italian lesson. He chose the Italian speed round, so listen for that at the end. I got Some of the guys picked the karaoke. I can't wait to show you those. I can see if I can do those for next week, uh, the two karaoke dudes. Uh, Francisco Cervelli singing Italian songs and Pat Vendite, who was actually pretty good. He was a pretty good singer. He was the other one who did the uh, the karaoke. So uh, here's Drew Butera, myself and Drew Butera, uh, who is a catcher for the Royals, but he's going to be playing catcher, obviously, for the, the Team Italy, Squadra Italia, in the World Baseball Classic in March. Okay, I'm Daniel McCartan here at the Italian-American family uh, inaugural kickoff launch party with catcher Drew Butera from uh, the Kansas City Royals, World Series champion, right? I saw you wearing the ring already, right? I am, yeah. Wow. It's 
cool, very cool. All right, so you've been playing for Team Italy this year. So, first of all, what is the importance of an event like this, a kickoff event like this? Uh, you know, this is this is uh, kind of gets the excitement going. You know, uh, for the fans, for the players, the coaches, staff. Um, you know, we, we kind of you know build that anticipation up, and, and you know, kind of it's already in the back of our minds, but this kind of makes it even bigger. So, uh, something like this is uh, it's always nice to get together, eat some good food, and, uh, and get get it going. Now, to play for Team Italy, how did you decide to do that? Uh, you know what? Uh, as soon as the World Baseball Classic came about, I, you know. Um, in 2009, I didn't play, and um, I was like, you know what, that would be a, a dream of mine, honestly. Uh, uh, I love the fact that I'm Italian, um, and, and to be able to play for, for Team Italy, but it, which is just a complete honor for me. Para Italiano? Molto un po'. Molto, molto un po', okay. Uh, so how does the team look for the, the 2017 uh, We're going to be very competitive. You know, we, uh, we had you know, some success in the last WBC, and we look to continue that success and go a little further. Now, it's a tough bracket, though. I think Mexico, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, tough bracket. You know, I think it comes down to pitching. Um, you know, we, we pitch well, we play good defense, we'll be fine. I know that uh, we have a strong offense, we'll, we'll, we'll hit the ball. Um, you know, it's all about you know keeping them off the bases and, and not letting them score runs. Now, your individual goals for the for the tournament, what are they? None. I want to win. <laughs> win every game. Um, you know, for, for this type of you know event, uh, individual statistics and goals you know don't really matter. Um, you know, it's not like a long season where you want to say, okay, I want to hit 280 or 300 or hit t- you know 10 to 15 home runs. But um, you know, for this type of thing, it's it's like the Olympics. You know, you got to win. You got to win or go home. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, my only goal is to win and, and hoist that you know trophy at the end. Yeah, cool. All right, so 2015 World Series champion. Uh, what have you taken away from that experience? Wow. Um, you know what? Honestly, to me, I can't even describe my feelings during that time. It was um, you know one of the best moments of my life, and um, I have the taste in my mouth now. What some people don't understand is once you get you know the first one, all you want to do is is to win another one, and. and you know, even though we we had a good year this year, we didn't win, and for us that we, we consider that you know a failure. So, um, as the Royals, we're going to get back to our winning ways and, and you know try to win another one. Now you caught the last pitch. Is that true? I did. What was that like? That was awesome. That was that was a dream come true. You know, you always dream about you know as your little kid catching the last out or hitting the walk off home run. So that was really cool. Now, how many uh, your many many talents too? Speaking about pitching, will you be uh, making an appearance for pitching for Team Italy after? Uh, after, uh, no, uh, no, I mean, you know what, I won't say that. If Marco needs me, sure. You know, <laughs> so you, you went in pitching games? No, I don't want to, but if Marco you needs me, I, I, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah what yeah. was that like? Uh, you know what, this goes anything to help the team, honestly. Um, the only the only really cool thing I got to take out of that is my dad said I you know, could never do it because I was always too small growing up, but I always call him afterwards, like, well, guess what, I can. <laughs> so, um, who has thrown the best ceremonial first pitch? Best ceremonial first pitch, wow, uh, that's a tough one. Um, I think uh, Melissa McCarthy for me. You know, I caught it in L.A. and uh, she, we kind of set it up to where, as soon as I caught it, I ran out and like jumped into her arms. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, now you just resigned with the Royals. Uh, what do you expect from the 2017 season with that? Um, you know, as, as a team, I expect us to get back to the World Series. You know, we have a lot of the same players returning. Um, we have a, a very good coaching staff, a great front office, and, and guys that are, are are willing to you know sacrifice to win. So now you found that Perez ornament in uh, in Hawaii. I saw the tweet. Well, that was just so strange. I'm in a Hallmark store in Hawaii, and they have a, two Perez ornaments. I was uh, president of Kansas City Royals, so I actually tweeted it out, and um, they commented back to me. He's like, "Hey, you know." Mele uh, Kalikimaga, which was America's in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, so I said, hey, we need a, a Butera Salvi ornament. Yeah. Like a, a you know, Salvi splash, a Gatorade splash. I said, we need one of those in a Hallmark store. What did they say? 
they respond back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to do a quick thing here with you. Just let you just walk right through our yeah, thing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. All right, so um, in Italian, where is uh, your family from? Um, just outside of Pisa. Okay. Now, have you ever been there? I have. Okay, where have you been? I've, I've been actually three times. I've been to Rome, Pisa, um, Florence, Venice, um, San Gimignano. Hands, down, hands yeah. down my favorite place. Yep. Cinque Terre. Um, you know, a few cities in, in, in Tuscany, but uh, those are the main cities. Yeah. Okay. All right, so you have a choice now. Is it going to be an Italian speed round, an Italian baseball lesson, or we're going to try an Italian karaoke? Huh. Karaoke's out. Nobody wants to hear me sing. Uh, let's do Italian speed round. Speed round. Okay. All right. First thing, we'll start easy. I got a pen. I'm going to regret this. All right, is it sauce or gravy? Sauce. All right, good. Ski in the Alps or swim in the Mediterranean? Swim in the Mediterranean. All right. Favorite gelato flavor? Fragola. Uh, good. Uh, favorite Italian tradition? Eating. <laughs> uh, we touched on it a little bit. What, if you had to pick one, your favorite Italian city, one of them. Uh, yeah, San Gimignano. Okay. Uh, Ferrari, Maserati, Lamborghini. Ferrari. Yeah, me too. Uh, vino Rosso or Vino Bianco? Rosso. Okay. Que tipo? The specific type or no? Um, no. No. Okay, cool. Well, I'm Daniel McCartney with Drew Butera, World Series winning catcher, and, and thank you. Yeah, thank so that was Drew Butera. He, he tried. He, he did all right. Fragola, Vino Rosso, San Gimignano, which a lot of people don't know. San Gimignano. Um, so those are the two interviews that came out of, of Joe Quagliano's event. There will be more coming this week, I promise you. So just uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, like I said, A-plus event. I can't wait for the next one. I'm sure Joe doesn't want to hear that just yet, but I can't wait for the next Italian American baseball event. I gotta come up with new ideas now. I can't wait. Um, okay, so uh, that's my little baseball segment there, and uh, we'll do this again next week at that time uh, for for the rest of them that I have coming up. Mohamed Wilkerson, you're listening to 60 Minute Overtime on 90.3 FM. Now, the New York Jets are playing at the San Francisco 49ers. The kickoff is at 4.05 p.m. on CBS. And on 98.7, which is the Jets radio uh, network. Now, Joe Qualiano just came through and just said, uh, follow up, Mariano's, Mariano Rivera's golf outing in Tampa, Florida in February. Hmm. I'm off in February. What's the date? <laughs> um, but So it's the Battle of the Basement this week. The New York Jets disaster versus the Colts on Monday Night Football was in fact a disaster. They got blown out. Tickets were as low as $5 each. I mean, for good seats on StubHub. Yet the parking was still, what is it, $30, $35? They didn't lower the price of the parking. I would have gone. Why would I pay $35 to park if I've only paid $5 for my ticket? Uh, Joe said uh, Mariano's golf outing is on the 17th and 18th. See you there. I'll look into that. I'll let you know about that. Um, thank you. So Jets parking is $35, yet the tickets are $5. If you look at the stadium on Monday Night Football, on the national stage, the stadium is empty. Jets get blown out. As Afar mentioned, they seem like they weren't even trying, especially on defense. 
in the first quarter alone. That's all I watched was the first quarter. That's all I needed to see. There was a th- there were three personal foul calls, each for 15 yards for unnecessary roughness and late hits, especially hitting out of bounds, which is absolutely ridiculous. There's never an excuse for me why some guy could hit somebody else out of bounds. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And, and these were like blatant ones. So hopefully the defense will show up today for the Jets. Also, I just got a tweet coming through that. Uh, Rex Ryan could be fired as soon as Monday. The season isn't even over yet. And the Broncos are done. I mean, the, the Bills are done with their honeymoon with Rex Ryan. That's got to be awkward since his brother is a defensive coordinator there. And he's already fired at the beginning of the season, the special teams coach. So that's got to be a little awkward. But as soon as Monday, that's so soon. He won't even make it till New Year's. He won't even make it till Christmas. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, you know, since it's the Battle of the Basement, I have two Jets keys to victory and two 49ers keys to victory. Feel free to uh, to join in at any point in time. Uh, here's the phone number one more time. Got something to say? Call the studio. 201-825-1234. And with that, someone is calling in. What's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Randy Zellio at Back Sports Page. Hey, Randy. What's going on? Uh, I, I am the disappointment of the day, as I promised to come by the studio this week to leave Danielle the Steve Young book, and I failed. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for it. Yeah. Like, for those who have never been in our studio before, it's like Hurricane, uh, Hurricane WRPR. And it's like... There's so many different... Like, you can, like, hide stuff. I was finding stuff from back when I was station manager there. Oh, my God. All right. What's so, on your mind today, Randy? Well, did you already do the questions that we uh, that we touched on earlier this week? Yes. I, I kind of opened with them. Okay. Then I'm behind. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I'm getting things... I'm getting... Like, I'm in family mode. So, uh, real quick, I wanted to get your opinion on something. Uh, it, 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 it's a very interesting sports topic. From when you were younger, and keep in mind I'm older than you, so look back to when I was younger, big-time players did not move around as much. Yeah. Do you, do you find it's harder for a team to market, for teams and, uh, and, and leagues to market their, pro- their product around stars because um, of the amount of movement that they have? Um. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you, I know you're an NBA fan. If you look at the NBA, you know, you build a fan base on LeBron James in Cleveland, then he leaves Cleveland to go for, to, for, to Miami. So, you know, they can no longer market their team as LeBron James' team because there's so much move. And then he comes back. People are burning their jerseys, and then he comes back. Um, so, you know, it's, in terms of stars and, and team loyalty, it's definitely down. Even from, I mean, Derek Jeter's the only shortstop I know. <laughs> For the Yankees, and so you know, I, I think that <laughs> you know they're going to retire the position. All right, Derek Miller playing. We're going to go without a shortstop. Yeah, right? no, no shortstop. No one can ever compare. But yeah, I agree. I, I I do think that players. But the thing is that they chase the money. The money is out of control. Uh, why wouldn't you go to another team for more money? I mean, it's just that simple. So, and in terms of team and teams in their marketing. I don't think they need to revolutionize the way they do it because they shouldn't be focusing on just one player. It should be the team, especially the NBA. Well, I think if you look at Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant didn't take uh, a max deal. 
Kevin Durant took a contract with less money so he could have a chance of winning. But here's but here's my my issue and my problem with the whole entire thing. Okay, if you're the Jets, since you're a Jets fan, or you know, I will go with the Yankees, but I think baseball's a little bit different because they still market their past. There's like, have you asked me who the top five baseball players are right now? I can't even tell you because I don't follow it enough to know. But that's the thing: casual fans should be able to pick up those players. So, if I told you. Name me the best player on the New York Jets right now, and you're a casual fan. You're not able to do it. If you do that with the Giants, you're able to say, oh, Eli Manning, Odell Beckham. You know, and that's who they can market their team around. The Jets can't market their team around. I think, but listen, you're looking at the Giants, who are playoff-caliber team, versus the Jets, who are the third or, or within the top five worst teams in the NFL. If you're talking about marketing, I mean, you've you got to have a good product on the field. Right, but you weren't saying that last season when the Jets were 10-6 and the Giants were 6-10. and There was a bad product on the field for the Giants, and the Jets were winning ballgames. So, yeah, but here's a better example. Yeah, but the Jets didn't uh, build a marketing campaign around around their, their stars of the team. I mean, Brandon Marshall's going to be a Hall of Famer, yeah, but it's the same this season. They're doing the same thing whether they're winning or losing. So here's, so here's a better example. Come and see the New York Jets play Ryan Tannehill and the Miami Dolphins. Come and watch the New York Jets play Rex Ryan and his Buffalo Bills. Or Tyrod Taylor, Rex Ryan, and the Buffalo Bills. Who are you coming to see to see the New York Jets play? But that's just the media making those headlines. That's just the storyline. No, of the it's, it's, it's also the sales department. Come and get tickets. You'll see Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. So you're, so you're saying that you have a problem with them saying Tom Brady's name in their marketing, or you have a problem? No, with- I'm saying I'm saying that if okay, back in the '90s, what year were you born again? I'm sorry, I'm not trying to expose your age to anybody. Everybody listening, I'm born in 1988. Okay, so during the '90s, while you were growing up through that time, in, in the NBA, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm bouncing from sports to sport here, but there's different examples. The NBA would have New York Knicks would have Patrick Ewing. The Phoenix Suns would have Charles Barkley. Uh, Utah had Stockton Malone. You knew who the stars were. You knew who you were coming out to see. These days, all sports teams and all sports have to go with a different marketing uh, strategy because you don't know you don't know a who the stars are or b you don't want to try and build your product around any one athlete because. You don't know if they're going to be there the following season or even at the end of your season. Yeah, no, that I agree with, of course. I mean, the way okay. these guys move around is ridiculous. Right, the lack of loyalty. Right. The NFL has changed because of their salary cap. So you can't build a Dallas dynasty like you had in the 90s with Aikman, uh, Michael Irvin, Emmitt, Emmitt Smith, Smith, Alan Harper. You can't build that in the NFL anymore due to the salary cap. Because all those guys demanded A-plus money. So, you can't. The Patriots are obviously the only dynasty in the NFL, right? Everybody else is like, you know, they've had two or three good years and they fall apart. Look at the Packers. Packers are falling apart because because of the money. They're not able to keep that together. So, it's hard. This is we live in we live in an era now where the, the money is like you just said, the money draws away the players. But I think, though, I mean, the Patriots, they do an excellent job of grassroots scouting. 
Because, I mean, you look at their roster. What do they have? They have Tom Brady, obviously. He's a star. Rob Gronkowski. But then the rest, and Devin McCourty on the defensive side. You got guys like Chris Hogan, a Rampo High School, where I teach, Rampo High School guy. I mean, you have, they have a great, they do a great job of scouting, like, the no-namer guys who then go on to become. And then they let them go. They let those guys go. So I, it's, I don't think it's a money thing in the Patriots. I think it's a great grassroots scouting organization that the Patriots well, no, have. I think, I think it's also when it comes to start having to pay those guys the money. They let them, but they let them go. And then they find, they find the same talent somewhere else with a guy that they could pay a lot less than, and, and which allows them to keep their stars. I mean, if you're the Jets and you're going after guys like Matt Forte, who's on the down end of his career and paying him top dollar, I mean, why? That also reminds me of the New Jersey Nets with Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd had the ability to make everybody better. So he would always sell tickets because you know that he was was always going to compete, but he wasn't going to win a championship. So they let Kenyon Martin walk away, and he was like everyone's favorite net, but in hindsight it wasn't a bad thing, but... Like, the team became very cheap. So as soon as guys started playing well, and they're like, okay, well, it's time to renegotiate my deal, uh, no, we're not going to do that, so you're going to walk. So, so he ends up walking. They had to keep on bringing new guys, and eventually Jay Kidd wanted to walk by himself because, you know, organizations have to spend money to, to uh, compete, and it happens in every sport. And the marketing of your, your talent, like, you go to Kevin Durant, he was the face of Oklahoma City for the longest time, but they weren't winning championships. So now Russell Westbrook is the face of that franchise. And they re-signed him, so for the next four years, they couldn't market, come down and see Russell Westbrook and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, but why does it always have the guy be the guy making the most money to be the face of the franchise? I mean, you got Dak Prescott, and, and you look at the Cowboys, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. They're the two rookies of the team. They are the faces of that team. And I'm looking at the Patriots roster here. You got guys, first of all, Chris Hogan, who I mentioned. You were the one who mentioned Durant. But Chris Hogan comes from Monmouth University. They got guys from, like, uh, where'd they find Edelman from? Edelman came from Kent State University. I mean, these are the guys that are, are the staples of your team, the staples of your offense. And, and they're not going to the big schools. They're not demanding the money. But what's going to happen is when you watch that these guys, like especially um, – uh, Chris Hogan, he's having put together a great year. When his contract's up here, he's going to be a hot commodity on the market. He's going to get paid somewhere else, and they're going to find the next guy from William Patterson University in New Jersey to take his spot and be just as good as he is. That's what the Patriots excel in doing. So when you know the, the franchise doesn't need to always hinge on the highest paid player. It's got it hinges on the best player, and sometimes they are the same, yes, but sometimes they're not. I agree with you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just, the Patriots have done an unbelievable job over the years of being able to restock their talent pool, uh, being able to uh, you know get guys to, to overachieve. That was the word I was looking for. Overachieve on the field. They are. They are the kings of that. They are the kings of being able to find people who can overachieve and play above their talent level. But consistently, but they do it consistently. So that means there's something in their system. Yeah, there's something in their system that that works for them because they have, like you said, good scouting. But then after a little while, those guys want to get paid after overperforming. 
you know, if you ever watch the show Ballers, right at the end of season two, uh, Denzel Washington's son, who, who's in the show, wants to try out, you know, he decides he's turning down big money because he wants to try to win, and he wants to go play for the Patriots. And Julian Edelman and some of the other receivers on the uh, on the show, and they said, how much is Belichick paying? Uh, only $1.5 million, but you're getting an opportunity to win and play in the system. All right, but if you're going to reference ballers, you have to understand that's not based on a true story. It's just a, a TV show. Right, I understand that. But, well, actually, they have, they have Rashad Mendenhall and other former NFL players on the writing staff. Of course, yeah. But I'm just thinking of... Uh, who, do you know who Trent Williams is? Yes. Okay. Not many people do. So I'm looking at the top highest paid NFL players in 2016. He's number 15 on the list. 15th highest player in the NFL. He's not the face of, of the Washington no. Redskins. So you can't always say Cameron Jordan, number 14 of the Saints. No, Drew Brees is the face of the Saints. So you can't always you can't say that the highest paid players is the the face of the franchise. You can't just pick that guy. Mark Marcel Darius of the Bills. He's the seventh highest player in the league. Who is he? No one knows. Not unless you're a Bills fan. I understand. That part I agree with you with, but from, I'm talking from also from a marketing standpoint. If you're a team and you have to put together ticket plans and, and have to sell the, you know, sell tickets and you have to sell the franchise to your fan base and to sell, to sell the new fans to come out and watch the games, like you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you can sell portals and you can also sell the young nucleus team, watch this team grow up. And then there's, there's your marketing. It's, it's done right there. If you're the Houston Texans, obviously J.J. Watt, but you know, those come and say, look, we just put in Brock Osweiler. Come on and check us out, even though that's falling down the, uh, the tubes right now. When your fan base comes up with a GoFundMe page to go get rid of your quarterback, buy out a contract. That's ridiculous. But with that being said, um, but, you know, you, you have to, marketing the sports and selling the tickets is the key to the whole entire thing. At the end of the day, it's a business. So who do you feel comfortable with, you know, putting your business plan around? Do you, do you put your business plan around Ray Rice after he had domestic, uh, domestic abuse issues? Even when last year the Ravens were, were, were down and out and Joe Flacco was having a tough season, you know you can still market to your team around, come out and see Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens. You know what, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it, Randy. But, you know, in, t in order to put butts in seats is what you're saying, y you have to have a good product on the field. You have to. They, those right. tickets sell themselves. Patriots tickets sell themselves. Giants tickets sell themselves. Well, it's when you, you look at teams like the Jets that they have to get creative. And if it's just for one game, then, that, then so be it. Well, that's what happens with the Miami Dolphins. But you also, you also, the NFL is also a different animal because the league has come around to promote, not the teams, but the league has gone around to promote the importance of the schedule, the, the, the logo on the helmets. That's what they now really put the focus on as far as the NFL is concerned. So that's where they put their marketing efforts in. The NBA, they have to market their stars. But if you're a team that has some stars, like the Brooklyn Nets, signing Jeremy Lin doesn't do anything. So why are people coming out to Brooklyn besides going to see your favorite team play the Nets? Why are you going out there? And that's why they're one of the last elite in attendance. 
Yeah, but Randy, they're fourteenth in the Eastern Conference. They're six and sixteen. They have a winning percentage of two point seven three. The team stinks. Right. No one's going to go right. see a stinky team. But, uh, but I understand that. But again, just like if your team is uh, four and ten right now with two games to go, you can still market it of saying, "Come on in and see Brian Tannehill and the Miami Dolphins." So now those Dolphins fans at least will come to the game. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Okay. At the end of the day, you have to have something to sell, even if not your team. Uh, like if your team is hosting, but the other team is a uh, visiting team, you can at least say, "Come on down and see Rex Ryan, Tyrod Taylor, and the Buffalo Bills." But if, but if right, but if you're a Dolphins fan living in this area, which we know there are a lot of, and a lot of Cowboys fans, you're going to come to the game regardless. You're going to see your team regardless, right? You don't need the storyline to say, here comes Rex Ryan and Ryan Tannehill or, or, or whoever to come. But you know. You're the fan of the team. You know. You're going to come anyway. If you can afford the ticket and, and whatever, the date works for you, you're going to you're gonna go. You know what, though? It, it, it's so tough with the marketing aspect of it. Right now, the NFL Live experience has diminished. You know, you, were, you went to a Giant game earlier this year, and your experience was different because you were down on the field level, right? You were down... You were down in that cool little area where, the, you know, you're right behind the players. Am I correct? Right. Don't think of that experience. Think of the guy who has season tickets up in 303. But that's what he paid for. I understand that. He may not have had a choice, but that's what he, that's what he could afford. But at the same time, if you're somebody who has a choice, am I going to go to the game, when, and I'm not sure if my team is going to win, or to, or or at least get the live game experience and spend all that money to see the team, you know, to, just to see the game. Or do I want to sit home? I can watch what's going on with fantasy football, or I can watch Red Zone just in case this game is a blowout. I can check out what's going on around the league. Yeah, but they've changed. Go ahead. You, you say yeah, but but from a logical standpoint, if you don't have a lot of money, which yeah, there are people who have season tickets. Who, who spend that type of money, but then there's other people who can only go to one or two games a year, or so on and so forth. But they're they not going to the reason. Yeah, but they're not going right. to pick their game based off of like, oh, let me go see the Jets play Tom Brady and the Patriots. They're not going to do that. They're going to pick, and those those tickets are expensive. They're going to pick the Monday night game, the five dollar seats. Okay, so so then, so then look at it from a different perspective. Danielle, you you can only go to one game. You can only spend, you know, you're only going to go to one game of the year. Because it's so expensive now between the ticket, the parking, the food, the souvenir. But, you know, if you're, if right. this, is the, you know, right. this is the argument that I've always had with, with, uh, with the Nets when I was working with the Nets. You have that argument where you can say, all right, but if you're only going to have to spend that money one time, are you going to spend it on the game where... It's like the Miami Dolphins or the Buffalo Bills. Or if you're going to spend that money, you want to make sure you have a high-quality team. doesn't matter if your team is good or bad. You're going to spend the money and watch that high-quality game. If that was me and I'm a Giant fan and I, was, and I only had money for one game, you're damn right I'm picking the Cowboy game. So I don't care if they're going to watch, watch the Baltimore Ravens. No, this is where I we differ. I want to watch the best no, I'm I'm going to pick the team where I can get the most bang for my buck. Where if I'm going to pay fifty dollars, I'm not going to sit in the lights for the fifty dollars. I'm going to pay fifty dollars and sit as low as I can to the field. I don't care what team it is coming in or out. I don't care. I want to care about my experience of the game. Right. So if, 
if you're saying I'm going to pay base value for the ticket, doesn't matter who, who the team is. I'm not looking at it from a from a like I don't know scalper or whatever you know, discounted ticket. Giants and Jets, their tickets are the same price for for their seats, whatever wherever the seat is in the stadium. For the face value ticket, if I was going to spend the money on a face value ticket, I'm going to go with the higher the higher price or the higher in the main game. Even if one of the teams stinks, you're still going to see the, that, that rivalry. You're still going to see because you want that feeling of that energy. And I, I just think with sports right now, that energy is not there. And or a lot of these teams and a lot of these leagues have uh, outpriced themselves. When I was with the Nets, you know, when J.C. got there, one of the best teams in the league, biggest problem. They felt that they, the Nets decided they were going to stop doing comps. They wanted to see how much they're really going to be able to draw. Their big problem was they considered themselves in the New York market. We're in New Jersey, and you know this, an average salary in New Jersey is somewhere between forty to $75,000. You're not going to be able to sell a team, you know, sell a fan base, or, you know, or a mom and pop, uh, you know, mom and dad with two kids on, on season tickets. You're going to have to you know, accept the fact that they're going to come to maybe one or two games all right, Randy, I'm going to stop you there. I mean, you're talking about average salary in New Jersey. I don't know where you've got that from because I'm looking up Hunterton County, $101,000 is the medium right. house building. Morris County, 97000 Somerset County, 97000 Bergen County, where the Nets were located at the Meadowlands, $82,000 a year. This is right, the top but I'm talking about 10 years ago when it was – I'm saying if you have someone who's got two kids, a wife, a mortgage – and maybe one of them is not even working. So and they're like, this was the argument that we were all having at the office. And a lot of the people saw it from, the, from that perspective, too. Whereas you're not going to be able to sell somebody on sitting $45 sitting upstairs three rows from the top. You know, that value is not there. And that's the problem, especially in this area. How many normal fans do you know who are able to get Rangers tickets, good Rangers tickets, on a consistent basis? But the Rangers yeah. are good. But the Rangers are a good team. I said when they were bad. I said when they were bad. I said ten rows from the Devils game last night. Ten rows behind the goal. They're a bad team. But since they're so bad, you're able to do that. And guess what? I don't care. The Devils game, they're bad. I don't care. They play in the St. Louis Blues. Who cares? I'm not trying to go to a Flyers game. I'm going to try and sit as close as I can, no matter who the uh, who the opponent is, to enhance my own experience. Okay, listen, that's a, and this is the type of argument that I always love having. That's for the record. <laughs> All right, well, i got to keep moving on to Jets and Giants. I'm going to miss the 1, one o'clock games now. No, no problem. I, I apologize for that, but uh, thank you for having me on. Like I said, I always love having a spirited conversation with you. It's always great. Yeah, of course. Of course, Randy. <laughs> Thanks for calling in. No problem. There'll be a surprise for you this, next week, promise. <laughs> All right. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Person that just called me a bargain hunter. Get out of here. You don't know me. You don't know me. I paid for legend seats for Yankee games. But I'm not going to pick the Red Sox when they play the Red Sox. I want to pick when they play the Orioles, which is the game I went to. I still get the same experience of the legend seats, the the crab legs, the, the, the lobster, and this and that. I'm not looking for a bargain. I'm just looking for the same experience for the same price. Why pick the Red Sox game? It's considered a premium game. Jesus. Someone just said, think virtual reality is going to take off in sports. Yes. Yes. I mean, it, it, for fans' perspective or for the team perspective, the Jets are already using it. They've been using virtual reality in their practices. They put on the goggles. 
they load in a tape from another team somehow, and, and, and you are the quarterback, per se, and you're watching your actual opponents coming at you, and you can see things that you can't see on a piece of paper. And the Jets, I'm sure other teams, but I know for the fact that the Jets are still using that. I watched an NBA game and it wasn't NBA game and it wasn't so bad. I'm telling you, that is the future. Hey Ariel Shortino, you just joined on Facebook. Okay, so two New York Jets keys to victory today. Uh, first of all, as you know, uh, the Jets have gone and moved on from Ryan Fitzpatrick, and here's Bryce Petty. You know, number two is not my goal. That's it, Bryce Petty. Number two is not your goal. That's him telling me way back in May, number two is not his goal. He is the number one quarterback from now until the end of the season. Okay? So, with that being said, this is Bryce Petty's team now. He needs to play better than Colin Kaepernick, which might not be hard, because last week versus the Bears, Colin Kaepernick went one for five. He completed one pass out of five. For four total passing yards before he was benched and replaced by Blaine Gabbert. Now Petty, after he replaced Fitzpatrick to start the second half of last week's disaster versus the Colts, he ended up with 135 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. On the season, Bryce Petty is 32 for 59, not so bad, with two touchdowns and three interceptions. Again, that could be improved upon, but, you know, Jets fans have to expect some growing pains with this guy. But in my opinion, for, for today, for the 4 o'clock, Jets are at 4.05, Bryce Petty will play better than Colin Kaepernick. And by the way, they're sticking with Colin Kaepernick. He's going to be the starter today. So although the Jets are a mess, the 49ers are a bigger mess. <laughs> That's even possible. So uh, number two key to Jets' victory is to not let the 49ers running back, Carlos Hyde, beat them. Uh, this guy is averaging just over four yards per carry, which is very average. He has six touchdowns on the year, which is very below average. So if Kaepernick can't get anything going with the passing game, they're going to turn to this guy Hyde to get them going. So if the Jets stop their run, this run game early, it's going to put immediate pressure on whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Gabbard or Kaepernick, you know, throughout the course of the game. So forcing either one of those quarterbacks to throw the ball is no doubt the Jets, the Jets defensive game plan, no doubt. Uh, two ways the 49ers are going to win this game. One, play a clean game. Last week versus the Bears, they were penalized 10 times, which is like a lot. <laughs> most of them, uh, one of them was the most embarrassing penalties of all time. You ready for this one? Their special teams unit was flagged for celebrating a touchdown by making snow angels on the ground in Chicago. And the touchdown didn't even count. It was called back. So Chip Kelly, the coach of the team, says uh, uh, in addition to, um, in reaction to his team's penalties, he says, quote, earlier in the year, we had done a really good job with it. But these last couple of weeks, we haven't. And that's going to be a big emphasis for us this week in training and getting ready to play the Jets. Number two way the San Francisco 49ers are going to win this game, man coverage on Robbie Anderson. Tight man coverage on Robbie Anderson, the Jets wide receiver. He is Bryce Petty's favorite target. It is no surprise. Bryce Petty loves Anderson because last week versus the Colts, he caught four catches for 61 yards with a touchdown. But if Petty hadn't overthrown him a couple of times deep, the guy could have been the MVP of the game. Last week he was targeted 12 times. In training camp, these guys worked together in training camp, OTAs, minicamp, preseason, offseason. Now, Petty and Anderson are sharing the big stage together. And the chemistry that they've built in the preseason 
You're going to see it today. You're going to see it. So my prediction for the Jet game today is going to be a 24-14 Jets beat the 49ers. Jonathan Hankins from the New York Giants. You're listening to 60 Minutes Overtime on 90.3 FM. Moving along to the Giants now. This is the game of the week, everybody. The Giants are playing on Sunday night football against the division rival, division leading, NFC leaving, leading Dallas Cowboys. That game is going to be at 8.30 p.m. on NBC on the WFAN 660 AM radio network and 101.9 FM. So this is a huge game with playoff implications for the Giants. Um, you know, they're they're holding the wild card spot right now. Obviously, they're not winning the division. That's that's on it. That's uh, Everybody knows that. Cowboys are on an 11-game or 10-game winning streak. They're bringing that to MetLife Stadium. We talked about it a little bit throughout the program, dribs and drabs, but Giants' keys to victory. And now what I think is I think rookie Pres- uh, Dak Prescott Rookie quarterback Dak Prescott's going to have his hands full today. It is freezing here in New Jersey. And when I say freezing, uh, I'm going to look up the, the game time forecast, East Rutherford, New Jersey, hourly forecast. This guy is used to playing in a, uh, a domed stadium in, uh, you know, down there in, in Texas. Uh, hourly weather forecast according to weather.com. And as we were talking with Greg, uh, you know, Eli Manning is unfazed by the elements. Unfazed. 7 p.m., well, the game's at 8.30. So let's say uh, at 8 o'clock tonight and 9 o'clock tonight in New Jersey, the air temperature is going to be 34 degrees. That's not factoring in the wind chill in the stadium. Obviously, it's always worse. The wind is going to be at 4 or 5 miles an hour. Uh, There might be a light precipitation falling as well. I'm not worried about Eli Manning in these elements. I'm worried about Dak Prescott in these elements. Okay, so three New York Giants keys to victory. Number one, they need to shut down Elliott and Winton. That's it. Done deal. Uh, someone just said Giants 2 nothing against the boys. Okay. Oh, 2-0. Oh, 2-0 on the season. I get it. Yeah. The Giants are the only team to have handed the Cowboys their only loss. The Cowboys are 11-1. And they lost to the Giants. The Giants match up well against him. So, uh, shut down Elliott and Witten, okay, in the rookie's debut in the first game the Giants played the Cowboys this year. The Giants held Elliott to 20 carries and 51 yards. That's only 2.6 yards per carry. But last week, the Giants allowed their first 100-yard rusher, Le'Veon Bell, 118 yards on 29 carries. They also had no signs of stopping Steelers tight end Ladarius Green who had six catches for 110 yards and a touchdown. Giants, it's been well documented. We talk about it almost every week. The Giants still have yet to solve the tight end problem. They can't solve how to guard a tight end. And this week they're going to be matching up against the league's best, one of the league's best, reliable Jason Witten. Also, Elliott, I think, is the best rusher in the NFL, 4.9 yards per carry. Witten has a, a 1,400, almost 1,500 receiving yards, 13 touchdowns in 27 games against the Giants in his career. If they especially contain Elliott and Witten, and they, as they did in their first matchup for, versus the Cowboys this season, they're going to win this game. They held last time they played each other. They held them to nine receptions, both of them combined, nine receptions for 66 yards. 
So that's the same. The Giants should just go back in their files and pull the same game plan as last time for today. Tonight. Battle of turnovers. Second key to a Giants victory. Uh, the battle of the turnovers. Let me see here. Let's see. Let's see. I'm missing a line here. Basically, uh, at a six out of seven last meetings between these two teams, they've been decided by a touchdown or less. Bottom line, the game is going to come down to the last possession of the game. It's critical that the Giants do not give the Cowboys any extra possessions or opportunities to score points in terms of turnovers. Eli has 12 interceptions on the on the year so far. Ben McAdoo says, quote, you've got to maintain the ball. The game is about the ball. You have to take care of the Duke, end quote. True. Third key to victory for the New York football Giants is to jumpstart the offense, which has sort of stalled, to use a car analogy. Manning is coming off back-to-back -back games with less than 200 passing yards. The running game has only produced 56 yards versus the Steelers last week. Giants have fallen to 26th in the NFL in total yards a game. They're tied for 23rd in points scored. Average points scored, it's 20.4. Uh, compared to 2015, they were ranked 8th in yards, 6th in points scored. Ben McAdoo says, we need to get back to work. You can't just flip a switch and have things change. You have to put work into it. It has to pay dividends for you, end quote. Someone just said the East might get th three teams in the playoffs this season. I'm sure you're saying the NFC East. Yep, I agree. It's going to be the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Redskins, the best division in all of the NFL. Also uh, notable, Shane Vereen is back from injury for the Giants. He has been uh, the best Giants running back of the season. Sideline for injury, he is back now. So um, he might be the, the spark that the Giants need to jumpstart their offense. Now we have Cowboys keys to victory. A lot of Cowboy fans. Someone's begging me to say hi in Dubai. Hello, you're listening in Dubai. Thank you. Uh, uh, Dallas Cowboys keys to victory. A lot of Cowboys fans around our area. Number one, they need to capitalize on major injuries to the Giants. Dwayne Harris, we don't know. Nat Burry, we don't know. Justin Pugh, we don't know. Those guys are all questionable, you know, for, for playing today. But they need to take advantage of Jason Pierre-Paul. He is uh, on injured reserve. He's coming off one of the best seasons of his career, and many doubted him due to the firework incident. He's had seven sacks, 35 individual tackles, and four of them came when the Giants played the Cowboys for the first time this season. Uh, like we said, his stats aren't always there, but he's a playmaker. He, uh, When I saw them play the, the Redskins, he deflected a Kirk Cousins pass. He kept he single-handedly, no pun intended, kept six points off the board right before the half. And the Redskins were getting the ball at the half. I mean, he put his hand up and just blocked blocked it. And that was it. I think it was a. They went out for it on fourth down, and he single-handedly kept six points off the board. So that's the kind of player that that um, Jason Pierre-Paul is. In his last two games, he's had five five and a half sacks. He was just warming up, getting started, but he's out. He's out for the rest of the season due to a sports hernia surgery. Well, at least in the regular season. So Ezekiel Elliott's going to take advantage of that gap in the Giants' defensive line. Prescott's going to have ample time in the pocket. Beckham, on the loss of JPP, says, It's tough to lose a guy like that. We'll win enough games for him to get back in time for him to come back and make an impact. We all wish he was here, end quote. Well, that's also implying that the Giants are going to make it to the NFC Championship game when JPP is slated to return. It's a little bit of foreshadowing. We'll see. 
Dallas Cowboys' second key to victory is to keep Odell Beckham quiet. And the last time these two teams met, Odell had four receptions for 73 yards and zero touchdowns. Since facing the Cowboys last time, Beckham, though, has been hot. He's gotten eight touchdowns, 71 receptions, and almost 1,000 yards since the last time these guys played. He's going to be going up also against rookie cornerback Anthony Brown. But he surprised some people, this guy Brown. He said, quote, I've been playing with a chip on my shoulder since high school, and now I'm carrying it through the NFL, end quote. Well, so is Odell Beckham. So that's going to be a great matchup on the outside. The third key to victory for the Cowboys is going to be the red zone offense. As I said just not long ago, Giants-Cowboys games have been decided by less than a single touchdown. In the Cowboys' previous meeting with the Giants, they only succeeded 33% of the time in the red zone. Since then, they've improved to third in the league with a 54% successfulness in the red zone. Giants are still one of the best in the league in red zone defense, so they've only given up a touchdown 43% of the time. If the Cowboys want to win, they must capitalize in terms of points scored in each and every single trip to the red zone. Take the field goal. The Cowboys need to learn to take the field goal. You get down in there, take the points. So my score prediction for the Giants-Cowboys game tonight, which uh, I won't get to see the end of, so I'll find out. You'll find, you'll find out before I do because I'm going to see it tomorrow. My score prediction for the Giants-Cowboys game is going to be Giants 31, Cowboys 28. Lock it in. Giants are going to score over 31 points this, uh, for the first time this season, I believe, uh, versus the Cowboys. You'll see. You'll see. There won't be much defense in this game. Okay, my lock of the week, as I said, is going to be the Detroit Lions at home over the Chicago Bears. All right. So we did a lot today. What the F news of the day? Guns in stadiums. Uh, what is wrong with professional athletes today? Where is the competitive edge? Where has it gone? How has social media changed sports? What is a proper reason to move a franchise? Are you okay with teams having business logos on their jerseys? Uh, we talked a little bit about Peyton Manning, my Thursday night Grand Slam event with Min Pros and Carmine's Pizzeria in Brooklyn. I'll be bringing more content from that to you guys throughout the week. Uh, Battle of the Basement, we preview the Jets and 49ers. And the game of the week, Sunday night football game, Cowboys at Giants on NBC tonight. So we got through a lot. It's 12.55. Good thing no team of mine is playing at 1 o'clock. Oh, actually, the Lions are playing at 1 o'clock. Oh, my God. I got to get home. I got to watch that game. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to post this online in a little while as soon as I edit it all down. Got to have some lunch first. Oh, and, and we can't forget the Todd O'Neill National Anthem and Greg Larnard from CBS Sports, fantasy football dude. Great predictions. Great stuff here. So with that, I thank everybody watching for, on my Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, my uh, Periscope at Coach McCartan. You can find my work, prosportsrundown.com, Twitter at Coach McCartan. YouTube search Coach Space M C C A R T A N SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan and my iTunes podcast that will come directly to your iOS device. Type in you have to go to the iTunes store, you type in Coach Space M C C A R T A N. And it's gonna get hand delivered. How do you like that? Hand delivered to you. Alright, so next week. Uh, I'm gonna have a bunch more stuff, some some essential questions. 
some more interviews from the Italian American event from uh, this week, Jets, Giants, and, and whatever else. So you guys have any ideas? Tweet me. Uh, maybe Uncle Leo would be in here. We'll we'll see. Uh, um, I guess I'll call him after the show, and we'll see. All right, so uh, that's it for me. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I appreciate it, as always. Uh, great audience. And don't be so shy to call in, please. All right? So see you guys next week, same time, same place, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, next Sunday. Follow me on Twitter, at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search, with no spaces, Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.